It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 1st of August. The crazy world we live in right now as jazz fans. Plus, day three of the great Andy Larson summer interview series. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, ton of geeky numbers, and hopefully making it a lot more fun for you to be a jazz fan during the off season. It is August 1st, so that means we're only like a month away from the guys coming back into town, and we're kind of, we're not close. We still got a long way to go. But the optimism rightfully so, is through the roof, and that is the Locked On Jazz lead story of the day. How weird is it to be a Jazz fan right now when you look up at the over-unders on the Jazz, and the Jazz are posted at like 52.1, and for those who don't know over-unders, over-unders are the Vegas line of what they think you're going to win, and then they think they can get equal bets on one side or the other, and the Jazz get posted at 52.1 and then skyrocket to 54. And in some places, the Jazz over-under number is equal to that to the L.A. Clippers as the best in the Western Conference. It's a different world. The Jazz offseason moves got a B-plus from Kevin Pelton, but have vaulted them up into most people's belief to be the one or two seed in the win total of the Western Conference this year. Think about that. It's just incredible. A lot has to happen. A lot of things have to work right. A lot of guys have to stay healthy. Donovan's got to get better. The defense still has to be elite. But the guys who are making money off of this have the Jazz up at 52 and a half in the Caesar Sportsbook when it started, now at 54, and the number two team behind the LA Clippers. What's more stunning to me is when I see this, I thought to myself, well, it's going to be a unique experience for Jazz fans because they're now going to be one of the favorites who gets knocked down. They're going to be one of the teams that suddenly everyone says is overrated and having not accomplished anything yet, when someone calls you overrated, it's really hard to fight back. And it's an, it's, I, I was, my thought was, this is going to be a really interesting experience for the Jazz fans. And yet, I go to ESPN yesterday, and they have a title of the thing, NBA season win totals released, who's worth an early bet, and the first one is over 54 on the Utah Jazz. Over. Who are you kidding? Over 54? Their point was last year was the Milwaukee Bucks with a new offense. My gut tells me this year it's Utah with the rejuvenated addition of Michael Conley and Bojan Bogdanovic. That's exactly the team needed. Donovan Mitchell was forced to carry too much. Might be true. I got to admit, I kind of think we are very much Mike Budenholzer. Last year's Milwaukee Bucks, Quinn Snyder spent a year with Budenholzer and then did all of his other stuff, brought his Moscow knowledge to that Atlanta Hawks team, had its impact. A lot of our staff is the same. 
I think there's a lot of similarities. We're both money game or money ball offense and defense way ahead of the rest of the NBA, and it leads to an awful lot of wins. And all of a sudden, now the Jazz could be that Milwaukee Bucks team. And maybe really similar to the Milwaukee Bucks team in the sense it's a better regular season team than it was a playoff team. But I'm still running through this expecting to see at some point in time that someone's coming out and saying, no. So then they get to the next section. Well, of course, they did their L.A. section just on the Lakers. And then we get to the next section, which is which team's totals surprise you the most. And so a guy says the Pelicans at 39, and I would generally agree. I think they're going to be pretty good, though I'm not quite certain who's scoring for them. I guess it's Drew Holiday, but I feel like there's a little bit of an overplay on Brandon Ingram, and but Favors is really damn good. I think they're missing uh, in J.J. Redick. It's like, yeah, like, okay, I kind of buy that, 39. Um Another person had Spurs 43.5, and I kind of agree with that too. I think the bottom half of the West might be a little worse than we think, and so then the Spurs. And then and then it's then the next one's the Jazz again. The Jazz were surprising 52.5 at opening price and still surprising at 54 last year. Duh, duh, and all of a sudden, this guy's saying, I'm going over. I think the Jazz 54 is not enough. When is, like, do we have to pull ourselves back? Do we have to stop for ourselves and calm ourselves down? Or do we just ride this wave all the way out? Because this is incredible. To have this type of optimism, the national moneymakers having that type of optimism, and having anyone knock you down in the process and say to you, hey, maybe you're a little too overhyped, other than, I guess, me, (laughs) which is not a comfortable position for me to be in, it's pretty amazing. It is truly amazing. So that is your Locked on Jazz lead story of the day. The... Over-unders came out, and if you didn't see all of the over-unders, here's, here's where they had them when they started. The Clippers at 55 and a half. The Jazz at 52 and a half. The Nuggets at 52. The Rockets at 52. The Lakers at 51 and a half. The Blazers at 47 and a half. The Warriors at 47. So if you're the Jazz and you get the two seed, the reward you get for that is you get the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. How's that? Could you imagine, by the way, if this played out, you'd have Rockets, Lakers, 4-5 matchup in the first round with LeBron against Harden and Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Oh, my gosh. Blazers-Nuggets would be a rematch of last year. Warriors-Jazz would be the first round, and Spurs-Clippers is the final one as the Spurs getting in. And they have the Mavericks as the ninth team, the Pelicans as the 10th, the Kings as the 11th, and the Wolves as the 12th. I actually texted Alan Horton, play-by-play announcer of the Wolves, and I was like, help me out. 35 seems a little harsh on the West. Um, And he... And I haven't heard back from you yet, but it seems, I mean, you have Carl Anthony Towns still on that team. Maybe getting rid of your Jimmy Butler. I just feel like they kind of know what they're doing. I liked some of their offseason deals. I thought they put it together, but not as a really big contender or anything. Anyway, pretty wild where we are. Really, really wild 
uh, to be where we are. All right, uh, uh, some people had some fun with me on this one because I mentioned earlier, but there there is a this is like that embarrassing, like oh they did advertising and then you're embarrassed to read it um, kind of thing. So. Support of Lockdown Jazz comes from Manscaped, which you might have seen on Shark Tank. It's the number one men's below-the-belt grooming. Uh, Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, Andy Larson is coming up. We're going to continue our conversations, and then we don't get to NBA as a whole. We get to uh, we then our final segment is about Emmanuel Mudiay and Dante Exum, and he's really concerned about the Jazz bench, so he would probably throw some cold water on some of this conversation. And uh, that is coming up for you here on Locked On Jazz. Have you guys heard about the new Hyundai? It is called the Palisade. Murdoch is the number one Palisade dealer. I have not ridden it yet, but I do know this, that it has made a big enough storm that one of my buddies, like when it first came out, texted me and was like, are you going to get to get the Palisade to drive? I got to see it. So it's the biggest of the Hyundais yet. Uh, it's the 2020 Palisade. It comes in at around 31,000, but it's a, it's a bigger car. It's kind of looks very, oh, I don't know. Um, one of those high-end kind of infinity-type uh, SUVs, those types. If you look at it, it's beautiful. Um, and it's just getting amazing rave reviews. I have not driven one yet. I'm still in my Santa Fe, which I'm loving. Uh, the latest edition of the Santa Fe just has so many little bells and whistles, and it drives so nice. I do have to turn it back in, so I'm a little bummed about that. Um, so they have the Tucson, which is then the midsize, and the Kona's the small little zippy one. I mean, this is why the Hyundai SUV lineup is just killing it right now. So check it out. The Palisade is the big talk. Um, you got to get. You can get a reservation. Go check it out, and then really what you have to do is you have to put a reservation in for one before they're all gone is um, what I'm hearing. They're just flying out. So you've got the little tiny Kona. zipping around the Tucson, which they've remade with the great colors, the Santa Fe, which I'm driving right now, the regular SUV, and now the new Palisade uh, that's coming out from Hyundai. It's all there. The 93rd anniversary sales event is the Murdochs are in their 93rd year in Utah. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Andy Larson. 
Special thanks to him. Feel free to tweet him at Andy B. Larson with a thank you for spending this time with us. Thurl Bailey scheduled next week on the Summer Interview Series. Let's get it going. The final day with Andy Larson, though we might be able to cover the whole summer if they allowed us or if he didn't get sick of me. We, we could certainly do this without difficulty. All right, at the end of the Wednesday episode, you brought up something, and I actually have a different perspective than you do on this, and I hadn't thought about it. I thank you for bringing it up. And that your concept was that Donovan has to deal with this whole shoe thing and, being le- and how he's going to come back. I actually think that both Donovan and Rudy were very poor to open last year's season because of that. Yeah. I thought that Rudy Gobert struggled badly last year trying to figure out how Rudy Gobert, I don't can't remember the date on when he signed his contract and all that, but the defensive player of the year and living up to that and wanting to be an all-star, I thought that bothered him early in the year. And Donovan, who'd had not as good an offseason as he probably could have, largely because of the foot, but also just the first offseason coming out of the NBA. And frankly, one of the biggest myths in the world is that players get better year one to year two. They actually don't unless they had a terrible year one. And then most of them do what Jason Tatum did and Jalen Brown did the year before and Donovan did last year where they don't actually get a great deal better. Um, And... I thought Donovan really struggled, and I thought I think that both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have actually already been through what you brought up at the end of Wednesday's episode. I think they both have already had to grasp with who they are, and I think we're going to see them much more comfortable and understanding that this year. Yeah, I I, I, I think that, that makes sense as a rationale. I would also say that if we have seen them struggle at the beginning of seasons before because of these external pressures that are still being externally pressured on them, <laughs> then maybe they will react in the same way. I mean, it's, it's one of those things is like, do you believe that, that they are, that they will grow as people and that they will change? And, and you know, I think there's an, an argument for that. And I think there's an argument to say, this is how we've learned Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert deal with those pressures. And this is, you know, they might struggle for a month before they figure this out. Like I, I, it's, that's one of the fascinating, I don't want to be like too pessimistic about this, right, David? Like I, I totally believe that it could happen in the way that you say that it will. I, I just am, I, I am willing to think that there are, that maybe this is how they respond to that. And, and it's, it's maybe not necessarily a guarantee that, you know, jazz fans should expect Donovan should be the player that he is, that he was at the end of last regular season, or that Rudy Gobert is the player that he was at the end of last regular season, because we, we just don't know. I, I, to me, I, I think it's really presumptuous for us to know that we will know how these guys react to this level of success, to re- react to this offseason, uh, because we don't. We just don't know. As much as I want to statistically project this, we, we don't know. Yeah, I do feel both those the, – the, they both have the track record of what usually leads to it. So if you're bright, if you're engaged, if you're legitimately concerned, um, you know, and you've experienced it before, you usually get through it. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I actually feel pretty comfortable that we're going to – I think – I brought this up with Ron Boone. I'll just bring it up again. I think the most important thing for Mike Conley – and you've been around Donovan so much you probably can comment on this. The most important role Mike Conley has is I think Donovan Mitchell wants to be – 
a superstar in this league and a great guy. And there aren't a lot of people that are doing that, right? I actually think Russell Westbrook's a lot closer to it than people give him credit. I find him, if you actually pay attention and listen to what he has to say and follow him, he's really pretty incredible. Um, But most of these guys kind of want to have an edge, and Durant certainly, and LeBron has kind of gone in and out of that mode. Mike Conley, I think, is going to be able to teach Donovan Mitchell how to be a legitimately great guy and a superstar. So I, I'm curious about what you said with Westbrook because I agree. Westbrook is actually, if you look at him off the court, he's the model for that. And then on the court, he's, to be honest, been kind of detrimental to his team in terms of the number of shots he wants to take in order to be the guy. And maybe last season less so, but still a, a lot of mid-range, a lot of no off-ball movement, a lot of defensive issues. And to me, I, maybe I'm just too focused on on-court basketball success, but I, I don't want Donovan to follow in those shoes. I want him to follow in the Mike Conley shoes of being the on-court guy that maybe is less recognized than he should be because of all the little things that he does to make his team succeed. I think I meant that almost 100% off the court about Russell Westbrook. Um, okay. But, so... I guess that I guess I'd say yeah. I just had I just had like the jazz fan reaction there of like whoa 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 <laughs> we don't want that you know. Like, oh, I think we, we we need we need Donovan to be in this certain way for the Jazz to be you know an elite championship winning team. Yeah, and and I think certainly you need to play. You can't be as inefficient. I mean, my numbers. Russell Westbrook was the single most detrimental offensive player in the league to his team last year. Okay, so that yeah. speaks for itself. Um, I I actually just think. Like, if you watched his press conference in Houston, you followed his life story, you followed his family, you followed how he's dealt with Oklahoma City. Like, he actually is, like, I don't think he, you know, he had the whole thing with us in Salt Lake, so everyone's, but, you know, got this thing. Like, he's actually pretty incredible. Like, I I agree with that. Off the court, yes. Absolutely. And then that that hasn't transitioned to, like, on the court selflessness. Though Though most guys, right, yes. Whereas... I think we might want to reevaluate how much we criticize Westbrook for Durant's departure of Oklahoma City since he just couldn't play with the single best teammate in the world and Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, right. right. That's a good point. Like, I, I haven't heard that one yet. I've been waiting for that. Um, uh, all right, but back on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Is, does Donovan Mitchell have a game that can become efficient? This, is, this, to me, is the single biggest question. We're going to talk about everything else. That's the question. Is Donovan a below-average efficiency offensive player or with a spread floor in a different game? Is the kid that shot over 50% on catch-and-shoot threes after January 1 last year going to show up for an entire season and become an efficient offensive player? I think it is. I think he certainly can be, and I think he he showed an ability to draw more foul. You know, I, I think he, he can be. I think he has to... I think he has to see that as goal number one. And I think sometimes he sees, and maybe this is just playoff recency bias, is he sees the goal number one is just put points up on the board so that his team can have a chance to, to survive, uh, given what they do defensively. And, and instead, his, his goal number one goal needs to be, I need to be taking good shots. I need to be taking great shots. I need to be taking the layups around the rim that only I am capable of, those incredible scoop layups that we we we've seen before we need him to be taking the the, the dunks that you know and, and the the opportunities to attack the rim and and maybe some of that is scouting and the league has changed and, and knows how to defend him better than they did in the rookie in his rookie season but 
given that he does have this three month uh, capability of, of making the catch and shoot threes at the rate that he did at the end of last season. And, uh, and again, that, that was an easy schedule and that was, that was just a three month period of time. And I think we've learned from Ricky Rubio, you can't just take a three month stretch and extrapolate it over a whole season and assume that's going to be the guy. But I do think that there is real reason to be optimistic about what Donovan can be. Um, I don't think it's a, a fair to expect him to be that the whole season, but I do think that it's kind of a what you want to say. If, if, you, if you're coaching Donovan Mitchell, you want to say, this is what we want you to be. We want the best out of you. We want the, the most efficient version of you. And, and we've seen it before, and, and we, we hope we can see it again. And, in fact, we've constructed this team around you to create the best version of you uh, that we, we, we have before. So, I, you know, I, I think it is... I, I, I'm I, I'm pretty optimistic about Donovan, and and again, part of that is just because we know him well. You know that he does want to be the guy in in, in the the best possible way. But I, I do think that there's going to be a learning curve, just like there was last year. Donovan Mitchell went from taking. Um, we're running long, but we'll we'll, we'll hold on this for a second. Uh, we're never getting to the whole NBA. But that's all right. Donovan Mitchell went from taking 15% of his I still shot. wanted the Emmanuel Moutier conversation. I know. That's why we're not getting to it. That's next segment is Emmanuel Moutier. Ah, what a shame. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll come back with the Emmanuel Moutier conversation and a little bit more on Donovan's inefficiency and something that I want to uh, – a number that I thought was stunning when I found it. That We continue. Okay. He is Andy Larson. This is Locked on Jazz. Locked on NFL has unique insight from the former scout Matt Williamson breaking down the NFL with host Brian P. Peacock. That's available for you. The new Locked On NFL, Monday through Friday on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Andy and I will battle coming up about Emmanuel Moutier and some things. Uh, Bombas are the most comfortable sock in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bombas purchase, they donate a pair of, to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream at bombas.com slash locked. Today, go to bombas.com slash locked to get 20% off. Uh, did you... Hopefully this week you've checked out the new Locked on NFL with the expert analysis of Scout Matt Williamson, hosted by Brian Peacock. We've rebuilt Locked on NFL for your daily national podcast on all things NFL, and Locked on Fantasy is killing it as well. Speaking of killing it, tip of the hat to Brock and the crew over at Intercap. This is one of my favorite stories. Intercap lending, I got involved with them a while back. Uh, we were actually in the market for a mortgage. Uh, Brock reached out. I sat down with them. Uh, Steve Carter kind of just seemed like this really cool regular dude, and I was like, fine. I was I was nervous. Like you don't like to turn over your finances to stuff, and I was probably being an obnoxious public figure and didn't really want to do that. And finally, I was like, you know what? Let's try. It, it was amazing, and. Because Steve Carter was just so diligent, so engaged, doing such amazing things to make sure that, I mean, that we got the deal done. And then since then, what have I noticed about Intercap? They're just on fire. They're growing. They're getting more and more popular. They're getting more and more branches. They're expanding. Why? Because they get deals done. Like, frankly, it's all about whether you treat people well and you get deals done and you communicate and realtors believe that you're going to be able to have success get the deal done because a realtor doesn't get paid otherwise like that's the simplest thing there is to it is whether they get things done and here's the update they now have 15 branches in utah from st george to logan to twill to vernal and in june of 2019 they exceeded all of their numbers for 2018 i'm so 
Big round of applause, guys. I'm just so proud of you and everything. So they'll do it for you as well. Uh, Steve Carter is our guy. You tell him you're with Locked On Jazz, and he gives you a corporate discount. Call him at 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Donovan Mitchell went from taking from 3 to 10 feet, 15% of his shots, to 24% of his shots. How high is that? I think this is basically the same thing, but non-restricted area shots in the paint. The only person who took more shots per hundred per their hundred shots, okay, was Jonas Valanciunas. His nine point nine of his hundred shots, basically ten of those were there. Demar Derozan is next for a guard, then Harden, then D'Angelo Russell. Okay, and they're not. And then the other next part about this is that Donovan's not particularly good at this. Donovan's 39% of players that actually, in those shots, only Dante Exum is worse, um, who shot them regularly. Uh, the only other players under 40% are Michael Carter-Williams, who shot them with regularity. Of the guys who took the most amount of those shots that shot under 40% on those shots is like it's, it doesn't exist if you go to the, the, the Josh Jackson, who was 46th in shot attempts. <laughs> Kemba Walker, who was 47th in shot attempts. Like Donovan took of those kind of shots. Only Pascal Siakam actually took more for the entire season. So Donovan is taking the 99th percentile amount of shots in the paint non-restricted area. He is making them at the 20th percentile, what's your thought on this? He can't do it anymore. He, he, he has to figure out a way. And I, you know, I, I think there's some, you know, whether it's a, a jump stop or it be, you know, more controlled in the paint so that he, he's not taking those shots, whether it's a Nash move, whether it's he, and some of it is the lack of offensive threat that the Jazz had that he is facing all defense. But some of those, in the restricted area shots are shots that even against the jazz teams wanted him to take. And he, uh, you know, I, I don't, he will probably be a little bit more efficient at those next year, but for the most part, let's say he jumps to, you know, 40% on those. 
it's still a bad shot to take. And so that to me is the single greatest decision-making change he can make in his game is realizing that mid-range floater, that mid-range scoop shot, that mid-range shot is in the paint, not restricted area is not one that he is likely to make and is in fact a bad shot. And he needs to figure out, you know, not to put himself in a, in a way, in a situation where that seems like a, a tempting shot to take. All right. We got into a lengthy debate about this the other day. Um, <laughs> so we might as well get into it again. Uh, the Emmanuel Moutier Dante Exum backcourt has you concerned and maybe specifically Emmanuel Moutier. Yes, because Emmanuel Moutier has been an actively harmful player during the course of his four NBA years. Um, in terms of he attacks the rim, but with no efficiency. I mean, he only shot 52% at the rim last year. And to give you an idea, Ricky Rubio, who is, widely regarded as a, a bad finisher at the rim, shot 58% last year. He is turnover prone. Uh, he is one of the worst defensive point guards in the league. I mean, two years ago, he was actually the single worst defensive real plus minus point guard. Uh, last year, he, I think he moved up to 60th, but this is still not inspiring. Um, I am concerned that Emmanuel Moutier will be actively harmful to the Jazz's chances of succeeding with that second unit in much the same way Trey Burke was in that he's going to be taking bad shots and not fitting into a team scheme on defense and in general, just not playing jazz basketball. He came from almost no playing background, got thrown into the middle of the lineup in Denver uh, in an insane circumstance. Like just, I mean, he and Dante actually are amazingly similar in how little they have played. Um, (laughs) He gets, he literally gets, I mean, I, I can't uh, – looking back on it, what Denver was doing uh, – Amoudier was terrible, I agree. But, like, what they were doing is insane. They started him 68 games. He played 30 minutes a night, having not played high school basketball his junior and senior year, having played 12 games in China. He then goes to New York, and last year, on a terrible basketball team, he suddenly seems to alter his game a little bit, find some mid-range success, and – until kind of he gets hurt with a spring, I think it was a hamstring. He's actually one of the best pick and roll guards in the league. When I asked him about this, he said, "Well, in Denver, we didn't run pick and roll because of Jokic." It's a somewhat accurate assessment on his part. I ran the numbers; he wasn't great at it there when they did run it, so that might have been why. But he's 23 years old for a minimum contract, and this kind of strange background. Isn't that the flyer you have to start taking when you have $30 million point guards? Yeah, look, I mean, if if you're signing a guy for the minimum and clearly the Jazz needed to, I, I don't think it's a terrible signing. I think, to me, the critical alternative here is Raul Neto, right? And if Neto, I, I completely, you know, Neto's injury woes were absolutely a problem last year. You couldn't play more than 16 minutes a game without him getting a strained groin or hamstring or or something that prevented him from playing for the next couple of weeks. And yet, his positive minutes for 700 minutes a season, 800 minutes a season, 1,000 minutes a season are are less. uh, I would rather have a a positive guy for that amount of time than a, honestly, a replacement level player or below in Emmanuel Moutier 
for uh, who is able to stay healthy. Do you believe that Nigel Williams-Goss could not do that? I, I, it's a bet. You know, he might be able to, but also the last time we saw Nigel Williams-Goss against NBA adjacent competition, he was he was really, really bad in, in, in the summer league. And so I, I, I think there's a chance to do it. I think there's a chance that Nigel Williams-Goss is maybe that reper, perfect replacement level point card. And if Moutier struggles, if Moutier, you know, I, I think there's, with, with Emmanuel, there's a, Let's say there's a 40% chance he's above replacement and 60% chance he's replacement or below. Then maybe uh, Nigel Williams Goss is your guy. But knowing that the Jazz have to, uh, you know, will have to have some load management with Mike Conley. That Dante Exum may or may not stay healthy. It, it's a big bet in both scenarios. And I guess to me, I would have placed one bet there out of the two. I would have either signed. Nigel Williams-Goss himself a bet, or Emmanuel Moutier a bet, and then also signed a point guard that you know what you're getting out of. You know, even if that's a, a Sean Livingston, a Raymond Felton, a, and I know these names are so uninspiring. I, I can't believe I'm saying them. Even a, even a G League guy, one of the best G League guys in, the, in that league, you know, like you kind of know what they can bring to the NBA level. To, to, to bet on either Emmanuel Moody improving or Nigel Williams-Goss's uh, numbers from two years ago translating to the NBA, I think put some real risk in your second unit. Don't ever mention Raymond Felton again as an option. <laughs> I'm No, I, I know it's crazy. I don't like him as an option. I, I don't like and, – and the other numbers, uh, I mean, Jeremy Lin, Jose Calderon, none of these guys are, are enticing at all, and yet they will take fewer than 25% of your possessions. And that's what Emmanuel Moutier was last year. If Emmanuel Moutier works in Utah, how big a deal that an agent said, I want you to go to that program, they develop players, he becomes a different player, does it have a long-term positive impact on the franchise? I don't think so. I don't think agents look, I mean, maybe, I I don't think they look at it that way. I think every individual free agent decision is based, is, is kind of independent. And, you know, you... Joe Ingles, for example, right? The Jazz have this history of turning guys from nothing into something. But nevertheless, that, you know, and, and that's why Emmanuel Moutier wanted to sign here. So that you can sign future Emmanuel Moutiers does not, to me, bring you tremendous hope unless Emmanuel Moutier makes you great. I mean, the Jazz have also signed guys that did not become Joe Ingles. You know, they, they signed Jordan Hamilton and he did not become Joe Ingles. You know, like, there, I, to me, I, I just think it's more independent than that. And I, I, I already the Jazz have one of the better player development staff uh, reputations in the league. I don't know if Emmanuel Moutier changes that in in any significant way. All right, two final questions for you. We got long today. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Emmanuel um, Moutier has played 246 games in his career. He has shot 39 percent from the field and 32 percent from three. Dante mm-hmm. Exum has played 204 games. He has shot 40% from the field and 30% from three. Which of those two players will have a better season for the Jazz? Dante Exum because he is a because Dante Exum is a plus defender and Emmanuel Moutier is a big minus of a defender. He is Andy Larson. Final question for you. Rank the West for me. Ooh. Uh, Clippers one, Jazz two, Lakers three, uh, Rockets four. Uh, let's see. Ooh, it gets tough. Denver five. 
Portland six. Uh, let's say I'm forgetting one obvious one. Uh, who am I forgetting, David? And uh, New Orleans, maybe eight. Spurs. Oof. Do you believe in Dallas? Spurs? Do you believe in Dallas yet? Yeah. Do you believe in the Let's Kings go. to make a jump? Do you believe Minnesota? Do you believe the Thunder actually oh. might be good? Here's the one I did forget, Golden State. I think yep. Golden State 7 and, let's say, San Antonio 8. So Golden State, San Antonio, Denver, Portland will all be on the road in the first round of the playoffs. With the yeah. Thunder, Timberwolves, Kings, Mavericks, and Pelicans watching the playoffs. Yes, as much as uh, – and, you know, I, I honestly – David, you know me. I'm going to do a statistical – projection of this later on in the offseason but that is my initial thought as to who who makes the playoffs and i know that that's just how good the west is it's the extended final version with andy larson because we couldn't <laughs> stop thanks very much for spending the week with us we really appreciate it andy hey it was great david thank you please take a second and send andy a thank you to andy b larson on twitter thorough bailey is the locked on jazz interview series starting next week hope you enjoyed if you have any other suggestions of who you want to hear from, I'm always willing to take those. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.